Welcome to Relationships as Spiritual Practice, Bridging the Secular and Spiritual, with your host, Lachelle Lowe-Chardet, founder of Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and Wiseheart PDX. Hello, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time and attention to look for something that inspires your life and creating more connection together in this world. Today, I want to talk about setting aside suffering and grief for the world. Part of living relationships as a spiritual practice means having the capacity to witness suffering and still maintain your own center, to not become lost in that suffering. And so today I want to name three aspects of practice regarding that. The first is accepting and celebrating our humanity. And the second is allowing grief, how to allow grief. And the third is turning towards practices that are immediately of service to life. So transmuting that grief and suffering into that which serves life, makes life better. Okay, let's jump in. First, accepting our humanity without becoming lost in suffering. I have a particular example I want to share. It's a painful, very painful example. Recently, I learned of Red Dress Day. It was Red Dress Day in Canada. A colleague was telling me what this is. You may already know about it, but this special day is a recognition of a horrifying reality that indigenous women of Canada are 12 times more likely to be murdered or going or go missing than other women in Canada, than white women. Oh no, 16 times more likely to be killed or disappear than white women while they only represent 5% of all the women in Canada. Layers and layers of horror there. But it wasn't just a shocking statistic in this conversation with my colleague. She was experiencing the grief of one of those indigenous women, being her daughter-in-law, who was murdered. And as you hear all of this, I just want to name that you might feel that clenching in your chest and that horrifying feeling as you imagine the racism and hate living, acting in those murders. And even though we know such horrors are happening every minute all over the world, 
the moment we hear something specific, when we're talking to someone specifically in touch with a particular form of suffering, the impact is intense. This is our humanity. This is our compassion. And letting it touch you is a part of your spiritual practice. Our spiritual practice is not meant to transcend that horrifying feeling, that clenching in your heart, that grief. It's exactly this allowing yourself to be affected that enables you to receive inspiration and love and that enables you to feel compassion. So allowing yourself to be touched, moved, affected, while not being lost in suffering, requires incredible spiritual power. It means staying grounded in something larger, a greater sense of beneficence and love. It means having at the ready an immediate practice to interrupt the reactivity of anger and despair, which we could fall, we could call forms of suffering with. And of course, there's nothing wrong with anger and despair. These are valid human emotions, our humanity. And at the same time, there's the practice of naming them when they arise, becoming present with them, noticing where they live in your body, how they move. Everything physical associated with those emotions and not letting them trigger a sticky spider web of stories to not let yourself weave that trap of suffering with your mind as you feel with your body and with your heart. It is that sticky storytelling about the how the world is or how people are or how hopeless it is that blocks the very love and compassion the world needs that wants to flow from your heart. And when you become lost in the stories, you block that precious flow. So after naming the emotions that come up and interrupting the stories, you can immediately enter a practice you can visualize, as I did, the daughter-in-law of this colleague and send love to her spirit as she transitions from this physical world into the next. You can imagine her six-year-old daughter who was left behind with the story of her mother being killed and embrace that little girl in your heart, soaking her with love.
bringing a smile to your heart, bringing a warmth, letting that warmth flow into her. And you can imagine the man so profoundly disconnected from love that he expressed himself through murder. And you can send him love, calling him back to love. So this is one example of a practice. This is the practice that occurred to me in the moment of being with my colleague that helped me stay grounded in what I am here to do in this world. What is it for you? What is that practice for you when you're faced with suffering, an intensity of suffering? Okay, let's talk about grief. So for me, grief in its purest form is not suffering with, because it is not weaving a web of story about the meaning of loss. When you allow grief, it's a sort of energy that moves through you. And it, is, it moves the flow of tears, maybe that come and move into sobs and shaking of your body as you grieve. And without a story, there's no collapse, there's no raging against, there's just energy moving through the water of your tears. And grief has its own schedule. It comes and goes unexpectedly. And when it comes, there is to allow it, to let it move through you in still silent tears, rocking wails or shaking cries. And you, there's a part of you that's a sort of spectator, watching the experience, feeling it, noticing it, and adding nothing to it. And when grieving ends for the moment, it just ends, and you move on to the next thing. So part of allowing grief is trusting your own capacity to just be with. And as you do that, as you cultivate that capacity of presence and being with grief, rather than weaving stories about it, you will see how it comes and goes with its own life. And you can trust that. You won't be lost. And when you know you can trust the organicity of grief, you'll be able to allow it. For now, I invite you to set your intention to be willing to be with grief, to be willing to pause when it comes and just allow it. To find that confidence in yourself that you will not move into a spiral of despair. 
And if that seems too far a reach, then I invite you to look for others that can help hold that space, that can help interrupt thinking and help keep you present in your body and in your heart. To create a sacred space to be with the loss, to tell the story of your loss without adding anything to it and allow the grief to flow. And in that story of your loss, there's also celebration. So in some ways, we say that celebration and mourning are synonymous. Because if you're able to mourn the loss of someone, something, then you know there was something precious there. There's something you celebrated. So celebrating that which was lost is a form of honoring that life and a form of mourning and grief. So there's this invitation to create sacred spaces in which you can tell the story of what you lost and celebrate that person, that animal, that place, that thing. So here in the last part, I wanna talk about turning towards these practices that are of immediate service to life in the face of the horrible suffering in our world. So first there's laying the ground. Laying the ground means choosing and consistently engaging in a very specific and powerful spiritual practice that fills your heart and body and energizes your spirit with love and light. When you find and choose that practice and you enter it over and over again, it will show up for you when you need it most. So it requires building a relationship. You know, you can imagine just here we at the temple, people, all kinds of neighbors walk through our land and we say hi to them and have little conversations. But if all we ever did was a brief hi and a conversation, you know, that might not be someone you call in the middle of the night when your house is on fire or you call to help you with grief or, right? It requires more than that passing conversation. It requires a willingness to enter in with a person so they're not just a passerby. And so in each time you see that person passing through your neighborhood, you have a little more conversation. You share something a little more vulnerable. You enter in a little more and in this way, you build relationship. It's the same with a practice that you do internally. Each time you enter in a little more. And there's a consistency. Every day you know your neighbor walks your, their dog at 8 a.m. And every day you come out and 
do something in your yard or whatever it is, right? You run into each other. There's a consistency. So that's the first invitation to lay the ground by having something very specific and doable that you enter into. So I also want to say a little bit more about this phrase, suffering with, as I'm holding it. So when we're suffering with, we become lost. If you're suffering with, you begin to shrink. And this means not only a contraction in your physical body, but also a narrowing of your thoughts, an entering of emotions like anger, despair, hopelessness. There also might be a freezing in fear a literal tightening and immobility in your body and in your mind. You might also collapse in despair and hopelessness, losing the motivation to do anything. Or you might find yourself tightening in judgment and criticism, going on angry rants, which almost always includes someone to blame, finding an enemy to direct your energy towards, to get away from your own grief. So all these strategies for coping with suffering by entering into suffering with might give you some relief or imagined relief or a moment of not feeling the grief or staying away from hopelessness. But it's not of service to the people who are suffering. You're not helping, and you're certainly not helping yourself. So I invite you to be clear in yourself in a given moment as you react to something you see or hear about the suffering of others. To notice your habit of suffering with and what form it takes. To notice it, to name it, to watch it, to have compassion for yourself that it's there. To remind yourself that it doesn't serve life, it doesn't help. It's not helping. It's not accomplishing anything. And it's really not meeting any needs of yours. It's just a way to cope, a way, some way you learned to react to what's happening. And as you observe that, affirm your own choice. Affirm your choice. I choose to feel. I choose to be a sensitive person in this world. To let myself be affected but not lost. I choose a deep and stable practice that grounds me in love, forgiveness, acceptance, and kindness. Make the choice to feel 
to be a sensitive person in this world, to ground yourself in a deep and stable practice that allows you to live from love, forgiveness, acceptance, and kindness. Such practices need to be engaged with five times as often as you react or witness the suffering and horrors of this world. Thus, they require consistency, devotion. They require a constant tending so that they're alive and authentic and invigorating. Our brains have this mechanism that habituates us to things. It's great on one hand, we can drive a car and have a conversation and do things like this. On the other hand, it disallows you from repeating the same spiritual practice in the same way again and again and again. Any practice loses its oomph unless you are active with it. You are looking for the aliveness. You are adjusting it. You are finding what's authentic. You are finding ways to bring vigor and energy. That's up to you to do that. Or to do it with others, of course, obviously. <laughs> to find that aliveness and vigor with others in your practice. Such practices also require simplicity so that they can be engaged with anytime, anywhere. It's really, really important. I can't tell you what your practice is, only you know that. What I can do is encourage you to seek that out to make time every day. Often first thing in the morning is best. Make that time to find your practice. <clears throat> and if you have a practice, when I say find your practice, I mean find it in your heart, find it in your body. Protect that time for that every day. And if you're completely floating, then look around. What are spiritual practices that others are doing? What resonates in your heart? Is it singing? Is it dancing? Is it chanting? Is it reading something? Is it saying something aloud? <clears throat> Is it writing? Is it praying? Is it dialoguing with your inner voice or with the divine? Or is it some combination of things? Find that which is authentic for you, doable for you, and grounds you in love, expansiveness. A certain solidness. Find that for yourself. Find it, cultivate it, evolve it, Tend it.
what brings that aliveness, that confidence to your heart? So that as you witness the suffering in your world and your own suffering, there is a flow of compassion, a flow of love, an allowing of grief and an inspiration to continue to bring your beingness into our world. Thank you so much for being here. I deeply hope this was helpful, inspiring, a contribution for you in some way. Radiating love from my heart to yours. You can learn more about Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and find free resources, live offerings, and self-paced workshops online at www.wiseheartpdx.org. You can also connect with WiseHeart on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or by emailing info at wiseheartpdx.org.